so this is your life. Are you who you want to be? For the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about identity. Um, there was once a guy named Nicodemus. You can find this in the third chapter of, of John. And, and Nicodemus was a very accomplished person. I mean, super accomplished. He was highly educated. He was a Pharisee. He had, you know, pretty much hit the top in the religious world. He was a ruler of the Jewish council. Um, he was an older guy, kids, grandkids. I mean, he had done it all. He was wealthy. He pretty much had everything in, in his world in that time that you'd, you'd want to have. And, and one night, he, he went to see Jesus. And it's always been a question of, of why did he go by night, if you know the story. And uh, some have speculated that he went at night because Jesus was, you know, busy during the day, and so that was the only time that he could get an audience with Jesus. Others have said uh, Jesus was a very controversial figure, and maybe Nicodemus thought it would tarnish his reputation, and so he went by night. We, we don't really know, but we know that he comes and, and uh, he's got this, this, here he is, you know, Jesus is right in front of him. And I, I'm imagining, because he's a rabbi, um, that he's got a whole bunch of questions. And so he begins the conversation by saying this. He says, Jesus, we, we know that you're from God. We know that. Because nobody could do the things that you're doing if they were not from God. And then right before he gets to his first question, which I'm sure that Nicodemus had a whole bunch of questions, Jesus cuts him off. And he says, you know what, uh, Nicodemus? He says... Um, you know, you need to be born again. Like, if you're going to get into the kingdom of God, you need to be born again. No, this immediately, you know, for very educated Nicodemus, kind of throws a wrench in things, and he's like, what? What did you just say? And Jesus says, you need to be born again. And so, you know, he, he says, um, yeah, um, I don't know how that's going to work. I'm kind of old, if you haven't noticed, and and I don't know how I could be born again. And Jesus said, you're, you're missing the point here. He says, I'm talking about a spiritual rebirth. You need a new identity. Because right now, all of your identity is founded on all your accomplishments. Uh, uh, it's on your wealth, your education, everything. But you need a spiritual identity in God. We don't know what happened immediately after that. But we know that later on in the story, after the crucifixion, Nicodemus comes around again, and he's a true believer in God. And, and I believe that he actually was, um, as defined by Jesus, born again. Now, here, here's where we, the starting point this morning. We want to talk about the fact that in terms of our identity, that activity, our, what we do, how we live, how we think, everything, it flows from identity. For instance, in, in our culture, probably most, the way most of us think, we think my identity is founded on my accomplishments, my achievements. It's, it's founded on uh, maybe sometimes how much money I have, how much money I've made. It's, it's maybe it's my perception, what I think other people think about me. And so that tends to be our identity. And so who I believe I am determines the way that I live my life. And so it begs the question, how do you see yourself right now so far? How, do you, how would you identify yourself? When you went to high school, were you in the yearbook? When you went to high school, were you the class clown? Were you the pretty cheerleader? Were you the jock? Or maybe you were the funny person. Check this out. That's what I was just saying. That's the... <laughs> that exact situation is why I always carry around a couple of these, just in case, because, you know, sometimes you need to ID yourself. <laughs> office funny guy. Always glad to have an office funny guy around. I wasn't even trying to make a joke. But I guess I've always been sort of quirky, offbeat, a little twisted. 
What's up? I don't mean to go off on a rant here, but I wrote the perfect joke. Topical, edgy, funny. I saw this thing in the news. Democrats want electric cars. <clears throat> Republicans don't. Right. I'm thinking, how crazy is it that we got a car debate going on in a city known for gridlock? Um, let, let's not talk politics in the office, okay? I like you better as a funny guy. I wasn't taking a, a position. It was just sort of one of those things. <laughs> now that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> you walk much? Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, uh. <laughs> Hey, funny man. What you got for me? Make me laugh. expectations that you would just be a certain way and you thought well that's the way they perceive me and so that's the way I'll be you know they sort of pigeonholed you into being that person maybe you have and sometimes a lie believed as truth really it become it becomes our truth it'll affect the way that, that we live out our lives um, I, I, I am let me just tell you a little bit about my own story when I was about uh, five years old uh, I don't know if they still do this or not but they used to have evaluations for kindergartners and and so uh, there was a, a psych psychologist there, and, you know, it was like to find out how intelligent I was and, you know, what my upside was and my potential. And, and so the way they did it back then, and this, we're talking about a long time ago, uh, is they put, like, little blocks and squares and all these things, and, and they, wanted to, they asked me to do certain things. And it's funny, I can still remember it to this day. And what I remember is being somewhat perplexed because it wasn't until much, much, much later on in life that I discovered that... Um, I have a kind of dyslexia, and it's not with words, it's with shapes and things. So mechanically, I've been challenged my whole life. I see it backwards half the time. But I didn't know that then. She didn't know that, and so she told my mother, yeah, um, not much going on. <laughs> Maybe, hopefully, he's kind of functional and makes it through school. That's, and so my mother took that and ran with it. And, and so what she you know, not knowingly did was she kind of projected this on, onto me. And, and so, and, and she would have conversations with my aunt and different people, and she'd talk about that, you know. So I'm, I mean, you know, I can hear. And so what happens, and, and then she lives this out because there's no expectations on me academically all the way through school. Like, the homework, that's fine, you know. And so this is sending a very strong message to me. Now, where was I going to find my identity? I wasn't going to find it in the classroom, that's for sure. 
And so where I did find it, at a very, very young age, I discovered that I was extremely athletic and very, very fast. In fact, uh, I was always the fastest guy in my school, and then later on this would translate into high school, and I would become a track star, and I'd set records and had medals all over the place. All of my identity was found in that. None in the classroom. And so then I, I get to college, and I didn't even know how I got into college with my GPA. It was pretty not so good. I just basically just didn't try because I thought, why should I try? And I was kind of afraid to try. You can understand why. Like, when, when if they were right, you know? And, and so I get into college, and my first two years didn't do much. And then about my junior year in college, I got some courage for the first time. I, I had some good people speaking into me. A couple of professors that were saying, Steve, you're better than this, man. You're, you're a pretty smart guy. And, and so for the first time in my life, I tried academically. And my C's turned in quickly into A's. And then after I got out of college, I, I, I thought, I don't know if I could ever do more than this. And then later on, uh, I got into my master's program over at Vanguard University and, and A's. And, and I'm, I'm like, wow. See, here's the thing. I was living out a, what I thought was a truth, which actually was not a truth at all. But it was like this cloud that was just hanging over my life. I had been pigeonholed into thinking, Steve, you run well. That's what you do. Go, Forrest. You know? That's, that's what you do. But, man, you are never going to make it in the classroom. And, and, you know, when it requires, you know, that higher level of thinking, that's, that's not going to be you. Living under that cloud for so, so many years. We can't live beyond what we believe. And so the question, again, it goes to this. What do you believe? Perception is everything. My perception can have a greater power than my reality. And so what is holding you down? What lie, what voice from the past is maybe holding you down? Like, if you think that you're not marriage material, guess what? You're going to sabotage every relationship you're in. If you think that you're not lovable, same thing. You're going to find a million reasons just to push people back and go, I'm not lovable, and then you'll prove it out in your life over and over again. And maybe it's become a, a, a voice, it's a parent, it was a coach, maybe one of your friends, maybe some experience that, that you had in life. We put it this way, if you believe it, if you believe you can or if you believe you can't, you're right. I do want to throw one disclaimer on this one. If you think you can be in the NBA <laughs> and you're five foot six and you can't jump, you can't. <laughs> but you know, you know where I'm going with this. It's about that attitude that says, I can. I, I, I don't know how many times, especially because for many, many years, I, saw, I worked with students for a lot of years. And, and uh, you know, to look at a student, you know, with all of their, you know, pimples and, and, you know, just what's going on with a teenager, a lot of times people look right beyond the potential is there. But I learned at a very young age that what I call the I see in you factor. And I would talk to 15-year-olds and 14-year-olds and 17-year-olds, and I would just speak into them, literally speak life into them, because a lot of times nobody else was. And just to watch them rise up above that and begin to, to think, it is possible. I, I can go to college. It is I'm not a loser. And create a different kind of reality, a real reality. So who, who, the question is, who am I today? Who do I believe that I am today? And I want, just for a moment, I want you to just internalize that question. Who do you think you are today? Is it based on what other people are saying about you? Is it, is it actually based on, well, I've made a lot of money. I've got a lot of education. What is it? that identifies you. If somebody was to say, 
who are you? What would you say to them? So we're going to get in the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles or your apps, a mobile device, whatever, we just turn there for a second. Um, and we're, by the way, we're going to be in this for the next few weeks, the book of, of Ephesians. And I'm not going to say a lot about um, the background. And I'll just tell you that the Apostle Paul wrote this to a church in Ephesus. And what I want to do is I want to read to you 14 verses. Now, when I read this, especially if you're not used to reading the Bible, you're going to go, whoa, wow, that's interesting. Um, what is interesting is that when Paul wrote this, there was, there was, the, there was no punctuation in it. So it was actually... Word, I mean, it was a run-on sentence. It was 14 verses. We call it 14 verses. This is a long run-on sentence. So imagine this with no periods or commas or anything else. Probably because he was actually dictating it to somebody else. And that's just the way they wrote it down. Now, here's what I want you to listen for. I want you to listen for the language that Paul uses about you coming from God. I want you to listen for everything in here that speaks of what God thinks about you, how God sees you, how he values you, okay? And one of the words that you're going to hear, and he uses it like 216 times in his uh, letters, is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. So, so let's just start right from the top here, verse, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he, chose in, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. You were chosen, you and I, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship or, or daughtership in Christ Jesus in accordance with his good pleasure to, his praise, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one whom he loves. Now this is still, there's a lot more here. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. I like that. His good pleasure. He goes, man, I love you so much. It is a pleasure for me to love you and to bless you. In which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. And to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen. Did you know that you were chosen? Turn to the person next to you and say you're chosen. Go ahead. You're chosen. Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing it, our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory." Wow, can you imagine tweeting that? One long, beautiful, beautiful sentence. And you know what it all says? All of it says, I love you. I have great plans for you. You're valuable. You're amazing. 
I love you, I love you, on and on. All That's basically, you're in Christ. It, it, it's, 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 it's God saying, this is where your value comes. Not from what people think about you. Not from what you've accomplished or, or, or not accomplished. Our identity is received and not achieved. Now, that works against everything that we believe in this world. Yeah, for, for instance, I, I talk, I've talked to my kids a lot, and I talk to other people when they're younger about working. And I say, when you work, you've got to create value. How many of you would agree with that? You've got to create value when you work. You, get, you work hard, you work maybe overtime, and people go, now there is a, a person, I want to hire them, you create value. But it doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God because here's the deal. You already have value. You don't have to achieve it. Yeah, you have it. This is a, a picture of uh, my granddaughter, Bailey. Um, this was just taken, I think it was yesterday, the day before. We, uh, my wife and I ha- have a great need for what we call our daily Bailey. And so my daughter, Rachel, and my son-in-law, Micah, live in New Mexico, and we're like, okay, you moved away from us. You shouldn't have done that. But the least you can do is send us a picture every day. Now, the reason I'm, I'm showing you this picture is because before Bailey was born, uh, Micah and Rachel had not decided what they wanted to name her. Which I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting because, you know, my, my wife and I, we just didn't do it that way. We sort of figured it out before they were born. And so we, we were there for, for the birth and then like two or three days go by and, and, and they hadn't named her yet. And I'm like, I said, what are you waiting for? And, and they said, well, we just want to see her and then after we've seen her for a bit, I think we're going to know the name. Which I thought was really cool. And so I think it was on day two or day three, they said, she looks like a Bailey. We'll call her Bailey. Now here's the thing. Bailey didn't do a thing to achieve that. She was born. Let's go back to that born again thing. Jesus said, you must be born into the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual rebirth. And when you and I get there, we didn't do a thing to earn it. But we've got a brand new identity that God gives to us. He goes, you are now a child of mine. You are a child of mine. In Christ, we find out who we are and what we are living for. That's a beautiful verse. That's in the, uh, in the message translation. In Christ, in Christ, we find out who we are and what we're living for. Why is that so important? Because that means Christ is telling us who we are. Christ is telling us about our value and not other people. Not other voices. Not our, our achievements. Because the problem with measuring it by our achievements is a lot of times we, you, know, you do stuff and then you lose it. If your achievements are based on your looks, guess what? You're going to get old. If it's based on your athletic ability, guess what? You're going to get old again. If it's based on, I mean, so many things in this world, you go, my, your identity is found in that, and, and you see the, the star begins to fade. You see it in Hollywood all the time, you know, and plastic surgery galore and everything you could think of. Why? I'm losing my identity. But you never have to worry about that in Christ. Christ says, you know, it, it, it's, you have ultimate value to me. I like what Mark Twain says. This is the two most important days in a person's life, the day that they're born and the day that they discover why. That's why so many people are walking around planet Earth today and they're saying, why was I born? Especially if life is not going well. Why was I born? What is my purpose? Where is all of this going? And especially if life is not going so well. Now, this is really, really important to our conversation. Right belief fuels right action. 
Right belief fuels right action. When you read Paul's letters, he always he divides them right in half. The first half of his letters is always like, this is what you should believe. This is what you should believe. And he just comes after it. He goes, this is what you should believe. This is why you should believe it. And then if you look at the second half of Paul's letter, it's always because now this is, if you believe the right thing, then you're going to act the right way. And so based on what you believe, this is what you ought to do. Does that make sense? Because we always, always, whether we know it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, we always act out of what we actually believe. We always do. It, it'll, our life just shows it. It's a showcase for what we actually believe. That's why it's so important that we believe the right stuff. And that we don't believe some voice way in the past that said, you'll never make it, or you don't have what it takes. Or the only thing that you have to offer is your beauty. Or your ability in some other field. That's, that's what you've got. But to actually hear what, what God says about us. And if my beliefs aren't based on truth, I'm going to live out what we call the identity. And there's a lot of people that are living that out today. Like the funny man we saw in the video. Right? Right? So how, you know, some of us, maybe we've been pigeonholed into, you're always going to be this. And we go, yeah, that's my lot in life. So I, I'm always going to be whatever that you think people told you that you should be or that what you think you are, are right now. Band-aids don't fix broken behavior. Or as one modern-day philosopher said, band-aids don't fix bullet holes. And there's a lot of people that are walking around today with bullet holes in them because of their identity. It's taken a hit. You know when your identity takes the biggest hit is when you're failing. Like, you might feel, everybody can feel kind of good about themselves, you know, if, if, if you know, relationships are good and, you know, financially you're doing pretty good, your career path is going pretty well, you know, maybe you're looking pretty good, you got all that stuff going for you. But I'll tell you what, when you take a big hit, when you get a couple of bullet holes in you, suddenly it's going to be all about how you feel about yourself, about your sense of value. And then what are you going to do? Well, I'll tell you what a lot of people do. When they start feeling bad about themselves, they start looking for quick fixes because we are the culture of quick fixes. And if I'm feeling bad about myself, it's like, what am I going to do to make myself feel better? Oh, I'm going to buy a new car. That'll be good for about a week. I'm going to, I'm going to go get a new hairdo. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll color my hair. Or, or, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, or maybe it's even worse. I'm just going to medicate myself for a while. I just need to feel numb for a while. I feel so terrible about my life. And all the different things we do. I'm just going to binge on Netflix for a couple of weeks. Just, I need a diversion. I just need a diversion. I'm not feeling good about myself. Why am I doing good? Just had a breakup. I'm heartbroken. Whatever it is. And we take it directly. And the problem with that is we don't, we lose sense of who we are. Who tells us, who informs you who you really are? God says, I do. I'm your creator. I love you. And your worth was found on a cross when I sent my son into the world and died for you. You're worth that much. Not what people say about you or think about you. Band-aids don't fix broken behavior. This is a great verse right here. The Apostle Paul wrote this, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, and he says this. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, what is he saying there? So, have you ever noticed that when you're going through a hard time, stuff starts to rattle around in your brain a bit? 
and it's not good stuff a lot of times. It's, it's kind of negative. And you begin to like this, all this self-focus in here like, I don't know, you know, maybe those things they said about me when I was younger, you know, and maybe that, that, that terrible experience I had way back when, and it may, it's all coming back, man. I can, I can tell you this on a personal level, that the most difficult season I've ever experienced in my life, and it lasted a few years, it was in the mid-90s, and I was pastoring my first church, and everything that could go wrong went wrong. You know what took the biggest hit? My identity. My identity. And it was, it was one of these, it was verses like this, where I said, you know what, I can't believe the lies that are going through my head right now. And I can't believe some of the lies that some people are saying. I, was, I had a bunch of people that were you know, up in arms and telling me some of the worst things I've ever heard anybody say about me, and I, I couldn't take that. But I was, what happened is I was taking everything on a personal level. And it was, it was just messing with me. I became this angry guy. I became a not-so-good husband and not-so-good dad because my identity was taking a hit. But there was a few people that were in my life, and they said, Steve, you're going to make it. Steve, don't listen to what they're saying. Don't listen to the bad, crazy lies that are in your head right now. God loves you. And it was those people and these verses like this saying, you know what? I'm going to stick to the truth. I'm going to believe what God says about me that got me through that difficult season in, in my life. We demolish arguments and pretension. All the lies that come against us. This is why and this is so powerful. This is why a relationship with Christ makes my life better. It actually does. And it makes me better at life. And this is why. Because no matter what happens to me, if I know that I'm valued by God, if I know that I have intrinsic value so much that he, that he sent his son to die on a cross, a horrible death that we celebrated last week and then the resurrection, then I'm going to be okay. I can survive the storms of life. I don't need you to tell me I'm good or bad. I don't need you to affirm me. My affirmation comes from God. That's why it's so important. And I'm, I'm looking at a bunch, a whole bunch of long, young people that have a whole bunch of life ahead of them. And you're going to hit some seasons, I guarantee you. I prophesy over you. hate to do this. But you're going to hit some rough seasons in life. It'll happen. And when you hit those rough seasons, I hope you remember these words. But more than that, I hope that you'll go back to the Bible. Because those are the ultimate words of truth. By the way, it just, I'm reminded right now, I threw out a challenge about a month ago, or maybe five weeks ago, to read the book of Acts. How many of you, anybody? I talked to one person. Okay, anybody else read the book? Oh, good, man. Awesome. Awesome. That is great. All right. Good for you guys. So if you haven't done it, I'm going to throw the challenge out again. Because I know people get bored by the Bible. I hear it all day long. It bores me. I don't understand it. Uh, and by the way, what I read to you in Ephesians, my, you were like, if that's what you're talking about, yeah, that was kind of interesting. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to unpack that for the next few weeks, and it's just going to come alive to you. But if you, uh, you want like, to just get a taste of the Bible and start to really enjoy it, read the book of Acts. It's 28 chapters. They're awesome. They're action-packed. So do that, okay? Read it, book of, uh, of Acts. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Remember that you're reborn. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. How many of you, I wonder, along the way, you said, yeah, I, I made a decision to follow Christ, and then you get up in the morning, and you look in the mirror, and you go, hmm, kind of looks like the old person. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and you're reminded of, like, I, so I know I'm supposed to be a new person, but I kind of feel like the old person, and I still have some of those old habits, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to kick some of those bad habits, and I'm trying to upgrade my life. Well, here's the thing. 
it's, it's not about how, because a lot of times our emotions are involved in that. And our emotions are, they lie to us half the time. It's, it's believing God's truth about you. He says, you, whether you want to acknowledge it or feel it or not, you actually, when you begin to follow me, you are a brand new person. Now, there's a journey involved in that, and it's called life. And for the rest of our lives, God will continue to change us. We're morphing day by day. But God says, in my eyes, you're a Bailey. You're a brand new person, and I gave you a name. And you didn't achieve it. You just received it when you came into the kingdom of God. One more thing. Oops. Go, go, baby, go. All right, doesn't want to go. All right, let's pray. <laughs> oh, here it is right here. Here it is right here. God's power is bigger than my past. His truth is bigger than my truth. And that's a word right there for some of you. His truth is a higher truth. It's higher than your friends or the people that are speaking, whatever they're speaking about you. It's higher than the crazy thoughts that might be rattling around in your brain. It's ultimate truth. And it's what he thinks of you. Now let's pray. Father, as we get into this series in the next few weeks, I pray that it will deeply penetrate our soul, our spirit. Because, Lord, we all know that we live in a culture that's all about appearances. We live in a culture that's, it's, yeah, it's about your 15 minutes of fame and success and how you look and how you dress and what you have and all those kind of things. You know, those are the markers for us. But God, that's so shallow in light of what you say about us. That you see our value. You love us every day. So help us to be able to love ourselves and think of ourselves the way that you do. And that ultimately we would find our identity not in what he or she says or what our company says what the voices of the past would say but that Lord we would find our value in you in Jesus name we pray amen amen